Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen and amen. Let me give you this first quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes. It says, man's mind stretched to a new idea never goes back to his original dimensions. This is a powerful quote because what we have to realize is that if you're going to do anything for God, if you're going to do anything for the church, if you're going to grow your business, if you're going to grow in your career, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change. And see, when you change, you must allow new things to come into your mind, new ways of doing things. You might have to have some new people in your life. You might have to associate with some people that you've never had to associate with because they might be the key to your blessing. Come on, somebody. And so that's why racism would keep you broke. Because the person that might unlock some things in your life might be the person race that you don't like. So, so listen, when your brain is stretched to a new idea, it never goes back. See, each day brings new possibilities, new thoughts, new ideas, new choices, and those things can permanently change the way we think. Like a baby that takes their first steps or a toddler that runs for the first time or a child that rides their bike without the training wheels for the first time. That's a new idea. They never ask you to put those training wheels back on. A baby will never say, well, I'm going to stop running and start back crawling. You never go back to that original idea. What about a teenager for the first time they got the solo drive with the car without mom and daddy in the car? They will never go back and say, I'm going to need you in the car with me again. That never happens because their brain has been stretched to a new idea. What about the first time you received your first paycheck? You said, man, I can make my own money right now, man. And so I can work unless you're in this generation because they don't want you to work. So here, here it is. Your brain your brain stretches it stretches and it never goes back to its original form so you have to ask yourself what can you learn today that might open a new door for your life what can you learn today that can open a new door for your life what will let you see past the obstacles that you face what might give you the insight you need to take the next step you know, uh, I was reading, uh, I, I love to read, and I was just learning that a child will ask 125 questions a day, but an adult asks six. Wow. See, I think as we grow up, we stop asking questions, and if you stop asking questions, your brain don't stretch. Right. Hello, somebody. Now, I know why we stop asking questions, because our parents told us to. <laughs> stop asking me those questions. <laughs> right? We ruin our children. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now, I know I'm not the only one that said that, All right? Amen. And they just asked, but I mean, I'm not talking about you know them little questions that get on your nerves, right? Because they just get a why, why are you, why are you, why are you going there? Why are you driving fast? Why are you driving slow? Why are you looking over there? Why are you dressed like that? Why are we going here? I'm not talking about those, but I'm just talking about real. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> are we there yet? I'm not talking about those. <laughs> Now, I'm talking about the ones where they're really asking a question to get some understanding. And we can't just blow them off and say, you know, it, it's going to be all right. No, sometimes you have to sit down and explain to them, here's what the situation is, and here's why that particular thing happened. Amen? And so you want them to ask questions. And listen, if you are in a conversation with someone, you learn this in Bible class. I taught this in Bible class. I normally don't do this on Sundays, but I'm going to give it to you for free. So at Bible class, I taught that the person who asks the questions controls the conversation. That's why if I am confronting my children, I do the question asking. 
You don't ask me anything. No, 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 no. I'm going to ask you the questions here because I'm controlling the conversation. You can go into an interview. Let me help you out for a little bit. You can go into an interview and start asking them questions, and the interview will be over because they only want to talk about them. Haven't you? I've been in interviews where I asked them about their job or, man, that's a nice watch. Oh, my God. I, I, man, this is awesome, man. I, I see that there's a nice suit you got on. And, man, they say, yeah, I like this suit, too. And blah, 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 blah. Oh, this interview was nice. I go, yeah, it was great. <laughs> they have no idea about my skill set. <laughs> but they like me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Give me a job, bro. Hey, man, the person that asked the questions, what? I said the person that asked the questions, what? Remember that next time you're going to interview and when you're talking with other people, you control the conversation. Let me give you another one. Like I said, it's going to be pragmatic. To get something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. And if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always gotten. Now, that is powerful right there. Now, that is profound. (laughs) <laughs> Praise God. I wish I could take that for myself. And see, you, our parents always taught us this, right? And that you, you're going to have to do something different. Amen? You, you can't keep on doing the same things and expecting a different result. Amen? So listen, so listen, let me help some people out. See, if, l- 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 see I have to do this because I'm a pastor and I'm a, and I'm real, I'm a stickler on timing. And because I'm a Marine, this also has an effect on me. So... We all probably get to work on time. Oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. I'm going there. Don't worry. I'm going there. Don't worry. Because <laughs> if you, if you, to get something you've never had, something's got to change. Amen. Amen. Now, how many of you? Yeah, I'm going to ask you. It's not rhetorical either. How many of you get, usually get to work on time? Usually. Let me put it that way. I know traffic, and you might oversleep 50 times a year or so. <laughs> But usually you get to work on time, right? Okay. And you, you, have, a, you have Pharaoh, there. I mean your boss. <laughs> Y'all just making bricks. <laughs> making these bricks. <laughs> Going on this job, making these bricks. That's, you got a Pharaoh. Everybody got a Pharaoh. If you got a boss, you got a Pharaoh. And if you're the boss, you're Pharaoh. So, so anyway, so <laughs> I just hope you're, you're a good guy, you know, a good lady. So listen, so, so we get there on time and... Those folks don't have nothing to do with your spirituality. But when it comes to church, what I don't get, and maybe y'all can help me with this, I need some help, is there is an expectation in church. Here's the expectation. Pastor's going to be there when we get there. That's the expectation. Mm-hmm. That's the expectation. They're put on us that we're going to naturally, we, we are supposed to be here because it's Sunday. What about you? I'm going to be there. Yeah, but what time? Uh, yeah, because when you're on time, what? Right? Now, I, don't even, I wouldn't even, this was not even something I was supposed to be talking about. But since it took a turn, I'm going there, and I like doing this, because... If your brain has been stretched to be on time, you'll be on time. Challenge yourself. Stretch yourself. Amen? Do your very best 
to be here on time. Don't have an expectation on me and my wife and the leaders of this church that you don't put on yourself. So I'm trying to stretch your brain to get you out of that traditional mentality. I'm not going to receive and and I'm not going to accept that kind of stuff. I need you here in the seats. Amen? The person sitting next to you needs you here. So, again, this is not about me trying to come down on you. I want you to be blessed. And listen, unless you want to get the same old crap that you've always been getting in your life, then just keep doing what you're doing. But if you want something different, because I can't take you any further unless you're ready for something different. Right? I, I can't keep doing the same old things. I got to do different things. I got to read different books. I got to open my mindset up to different things. I got to read. I read books on philosophy. I read, man, I, I read books that I never would have read because I'm trying to expand my mindset. Amen? You can do the same thing, too. You say, I don't read. They got books on audio. There's no excuse. You go to the library. It's free. Just get them. Amen? There's no, there's no cost. Just library card. Yeah, I see y'all getting quiet in this Presbyterian church, but look here. I ain't going to stop preaching. Here we go. Here's the next one. It is not death man should fear, but he should fear never really beginning to live and making an impact for a positive change. I, I don't fear death. I fear not making an impact on the lives of other people. Amen? See, I have learned that the closer I get to God, the greater impact that I can make on this world for a positive change but I had to get real with myself and make some adjustments. Let me say that again. I had to get real with myself and make some adjustments. So check this out. Real change requires realignment. And you can't have, you cannot have realignment without being real. <laughs> Hello, somebody. And so, so, so put your hand on your heart and say, Lord. I want to be real with myself. See, Apostle Paul had to make some adjustments. He had to do some realignments in his life. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I grew up, I stopped acting like a child. Paul said, when I grew up, I put away childish things. And, and we got to remember that it is not God that's going to put away this childish stuff that we keep putting up with. And see, we keep praying to God, God, I wish you would take this away from me. God, please take this away from me. God, do this for me. And God is saying, listen, I have empowered you. I gave you the Holy Spirit. My son shed his blood on the cross for you. You have all power. You have all authority. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So since you have that authority. Stop praying for God to do something that we should be doing anyway. And God is not going to take away something we should be putting away. Oh yeah, that was a little snattering of an applause. That's all right. But see, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of us in this room right now. You've been praying for God to take something away from you. And God is saying, no, I'm not taking that away. I've empowered you to put it away. As a matter of fact, Paul, he's given us a natural example of a spiritual reality. What he's trying to get us to see is in order for us to really love people, to understand what love truly is, we're going to have to get to heaven. 
So he's trying to tell us that, that when you compare how we are on the earth, it's like we're children. But when we get to heaven, it's like we're full grown. He's trying to teach some spiritual things by using the power of love. And see, we can't agape love anybody. Agape love is the God kind of love. We can't do that because that's God's love. And the only way we can truly love people is through God. It's not that God does love. God is love. Without God, there is no love. So Paul is trying to show us here, as Christians on the earth, we have to grow up. We got to stop acting like a child. We got to stop complaining and bickering. And, and man, they got on the same color dress I got on. Her hat is bigger than mine. And, and I don't like the way the church looks. And it's not big enough. It's not small enough. They don't have the right color seats. And, and we just have all these personal preferences before we go to church. The children's ministry has got to be this way. The pastor better look this way. He better not preach for 20 minutes, too. I better not come up in there and that church don't smell right. Got all this baggage that we bring into the house of God. Now you already tore up from the floor up, but you want the church to be perfect. Away with this mess with people in the world. They're always talking about there's problems in the church. We all got problems. Yeah, there's problems in the church. There's a problem with you too. I don't have a problem talking about, I know I haven't arrived yet. I know I got issues that God is working through me. And there are some things that I haven't given to him yet because I'm still trying to hold on to him. Y'all know what I'm talking about here. And so, but all of us got some stuff like that. And since we're imperfect people, we're flawed. Everybody in the house got issues. So can we just come to a house and not expect perfection from the pastor? I'm going to let you down one day. Don't worry about it. Just hold on. I'm going to let you down one day. It's not in my heart to try to do it, but it's going to happen because we all have different mindsets. We all have different views. We all came from different backgrounds. We all have different forms of how we process things. We're not going to get along with everybody, but do you get along with everybody in your family? There are people in my family. I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I ain't showing up this year. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all, you know, there's some people in your family, you, 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 it would be okay if they didn't show up. And we live streaming, so I had to be careful how I say this. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's, but, but they're your family. Why is it when we always talk about we're in the house of God and we're family in the house of God, except when somebody make you mad? You know, when I was in the world and doing my stuff, y'all know what I'm talking about. I got my stuff. You got your stuff, too. So I would be in the world and do my stuff with some of my friends. And, you know, we, we were feeling kind of, it wasn't righteous, but we was feeling right. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's some sauce that you could drink and some things that you could smoke to get you that, right? And so we was feeling right, but not righteous. But we would fuss, but be back hanging out again the next night. But you let a church person say something, and I don't like the way she said that to me. I'm leaving this church. Yeah. And then they get mad at the pastor. The pastor, I've been gone for several months, and you ain't even called me. I ain't even know you were gone. How am I supposed to know? Oh, because... <laughs> Stop. It's like somehow the pastor's 
we go down this road on Sunday mornings, and we're, we're picking, uh, we're trying to see who's here and who's, I don't have that kind of time. As a matter of fact, that is not even on my mind to do anything like that. I'm too, be, too busy trying to teach people who are in the seats rather than those who are not. See, I want to spend time with people who are left with me, not the ones who left me. So you say, well, pastor, I don't know if that's biblical. Let me talk to you a bit about Jesus. If you want to know if it's biblical or not. Well, Jesus left the 99 and he went after the one. You better read that scripture carefully. The Bible said he went after the one that was lost. He didn't go after the one that left. There's a difference between being lost and leaving. So let me show you what Jesus did to those that left. He was teaching about feeding and how God can take a little and make much out of it. So he fed the 5,000. If you go and read that text carefully, it was 5,000 men. So when you add the children and then when you add the women, the commentaries say it could have been as many as 15,000 people that Jesus fed their appetites. He fed their bellies. So Jesus said, now that I have your attention, let me see if I can make you grow up. Now that I fed your bellies, now I want to feed your spirit. So he began to teach them spiritual things about who he was. And so he began to talk about him being the bread of life. He said, if you eat my flesh, his bread, the word of God, drink my blood, his spirit. He was not talking about cannibalism. He was not talking about eating this flesh. He was talking about eating the word of God because the word in us becomes flesh. So he was trying to take them from living as a child to being a man in the spirit. And you know what they said? They said, oh, Jesus, this is a hard teaching. Uh, I want to feed my bellies, but I don't know about this spiritual stuff. Uh, I don't know about this stuff of speaking in tongues. Uh, I don't know about this stuff of reading the Bible. I don't know about this stuff of coming to church on time. What are you talking about? I don't want to do that. And they left Jesus. The Bible said they followed him no more. Jesus didn't even look at them. He looked at the 12. He said, are you going to leave me also? He said, because if you're going to leave me, you might as well go ahead and bounce. Now, that's my Bible. He didn't say that. He said that. I, keep, I got a ghetto Bible. Y'all don't have that kind of Bible. But in other words, Jesus didn't worry about the ones who left. He turned to his leaders. And he said, what you going to do? He said, I've been feeding you. Come on, what you going to do? So my question to you, saints of God, what you going to do? What you going to do? You're going to get mad just because somebody dressed like you. You're going to get mad just because somebody offended you. You still a child. Say, I can't, I got to get you milk. I can't give you the, the weighty things of the Bible if we can't pass, get past this stuff. This is what has been killing the church. Amen. And listen, that's why when people come to this church, don't tell me pastor's names. And I don't want to hear about church names. I don't care about all of that stuff because all of us come in with some form of baggage from where we've been hurt and things. And people say, ain't no hurt like church hurt. Hurt is hurt. I don't care if you got a church and the family that work. Hurt is hurt. It's just hurt. That's all. It's just a different kind of hurt. And listen, all of us have been hurt one 
uh, in one shape or one form of matter, right? In one way or another. So all of us have some things that we're trying to process and work through. But listen, you're not the only one that's been hurt. Amen. And we might have been hurt by the same church. So who cares? See, listen, you will never be able to grab your future if you keep holding on to past things. And you come into the next church, and all you want to talk about is how the last church treated you. That's why you can't get along in churches, because you keep bringing up the stuff. And if you've been in five churches, the common denominator is not the church. Yeah, yeah, I'm preaching better than y'all clapping right now. I guarantee you that. See, this is going to require that we do a self-assessment, see? And when we do these kinds of things, we're going to have to not look out. We've got to look in. We've got to ask God, is there something wrong with me, God? Why have I changed relationships so much? Why do I keep changing jobs? Why is nothing working for me? Why do I keep changing churches? What is it about me? Why do I remain broke, God? What is going on inside of me that I have to change so I can get a different result? Come on, somebody. Paul was given a natural example of a spiritual reality, but there must be a separation before there can be real change. I thought about the man that was at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, We can find this over in John chapter 5. We're going to turn it in just a second. But I thought about this man because we start thinking about real change because he was at the pool of Bethesda and he had been in in a, he had an infirmity and he had been there in that condition for 38 years. Somebody said that's a long time. He had been in that condition for 38 years. He was in Bethesda. And if you go to John chapter 5 and we read it, we're going to read it in just a second. The Bible says that there were people that were blind, people that were lame, and people that were paralyzed in this particular area. But Bethesda means house of mercy. How in the world can so many sick people be in the house of mercy? You got sick people laid all over the place in the house of mercy. There had to have been something going on that we need to take a closer look at. And that's why I want us to look a little closer at this passage because I want us to make sure that we understand something. Can I go a little bit deeper? All right. So to go a little bit deeper, we got to go to John chapter 5 because I want to show you some things here. And then we're going to pray and go home. Amen. I know you're sleepy, but I am too. So we're going to get through this. Somebody say, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. We're going to grow up. We're going to grow up today. And see, see, we're going to put away childish stuff. We're going to stop acting like a child. We're going to grow up. We're going to be grown folk in the house of God. That way I don't have to come and preach, and, uh, and then I got to change pampers. I don't feel like doing that. No, it's nasty, especially when you change pampers for an adult. And so I don't want to do that. So we're going we're gonna to all grow up. Amen. Listen, the Bible gives us some fundamental steps on if somebody offends you. It says you go to the person. But let me teach you some things. When you go to the person, go humble. Don't go pointing fingers. You say you use I feel statements. I feel like when you said that to me, it just, ooh, it just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. And I just wanted to come to you personally to let you know I don't want to harbor any ill feelings towards you. So I I just want to come to you because I want to make sure that we can get our love relationship right because you're my sister. You're my brother. I don't want to make, I want to make sure that when I come to church, I don't feel some kind of way about you. And that might be some connive way of feeling. And I, and that's my protection in me. And so the 
the way I protect myself is I put up these guards and, uh, and I look at you in a different way to make me not come and speak to you. Come on, somebody. Y'all better know I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you because that's what we do. That's what we do. We put up this, this, this facade and we don't want to talk to people. So we sit on the other side of the church and we make excuses and, and we do all kinds of things to avoid people. But the Bible is very clear. It said, if you even have a gift that you want to give to God, he said, if you have an aunt with your brother, you leave that gift at the altar and go and ask for forgiveness before you give it. Because we got a lot of people giving tithes, but God doesn't accept it because you're harboring unbelief and you're harboring unforgiveness. And if you harbor unforgiveness, I don't care how much you tithe, you ain't going to get blessed off of it. Now, I'm just giving you scripture. That's all I'm doing. I'm just giving you the Bible. That's all. Can I do that? Can I just teach you the word for a second? And see, we got to get rid of all of this uh, naming and claiming and blabbing and grabbing kind of kind of mess, man. You can name and claim whatever you want. It don't mean it's yours. I can go down there to Maserati and say, this car is going to be mine. They don't make that car mine. If I drop out of there, I'm going to be in jail. Well, that preacher said, I can name it and claim it. That's my car. That ain't your car. <laughs> Let's make sure you understand principles. Just because you got a prophecy don't mean you go out and fulfill it. I'm trying to tell you right now. See, that's why a lot of self-proclaimed prophets don't last long in this church. Because I'm not having, no, I'm not going to have any, it, it has taken me. I, it has taken me too many prayers and too much fasting to get this church where it is today. I have taken too many stabs in my back to let somebody come in here and hurt the flock. Now, I'm a nice guy. All of you that know me personally, you know I'm a nice guy. But if you ever cross me by going after one of our sheep, then I will be the shepherd to come after you. So if you got an uneducated, self-proclaimed prophet coming up in this house, you best believe I'm going to roll up on them and I'm going to see how much of the scriptures they know. Because I'm going to ask them, what's the difference between the office of the prophet and somebody prophesying? If they don't know the difference, then they're not a true called prophet. And you can't come give a word to nobody in this house unless you bring that through me. See, saints, I'm here to protect you. You have fought too hard to get to where you are right now. You don't need some self-proclaimed prophet coming up in here, prophet lying to you. And then you're trying to fulfill something that's based on a lie. And you're trying to figure out what God, why isn't things happening like they should? Because that prophet said that. I, and you didn't bring that word to me in the first place. And if you had brought it to me, I would have said, no, don't receive that word. I don't know them. I don't know their heart. I don't know their relationship with God. I don't know their prayer life. Don't receive that word. And by the way, if they're a true called prophet, they're going to bring it to me because it's a, it's, it's a it's respect in the house of God. You don't do that. Listen, I was I was teaching with my ministers uh, yesterday. I got some new ministers going to be preaching too. y'all. Y'all going to be. Ooh, I can't wait. And so we was teaching. And so this this came up and I was teaching them. I said, listen, when you go preach, you never go in somebody else's house with your own agenda. You need to understand who you're preaching to. Right, right. You might get invited to a missionary Baptist church who don't speak in tongues. Don't take your little sanctified self up in there speaking in tongues. You disrespecting the house. Right. Like I've, I've preached at Methodist churches. Methodists love history. So I talk about Charles and John Wesley. 
shoot, I talk about Charles and John Wesley and then with George Whitfield and how they started the Holy Club. Not a Holy Club, the Methodist Church was birthed. But when you say stuff like that, they go, they stop looking at who you are. And they go, well, this, this person knows what he's talking. He knows our history, right? So you got to understand the house that you're going to. Uh, are you here with me, saints? And so there's a level of respect. Listen, a prophet, a true call prophet is going to respect the house. Right? So here's how you can, you can call them out. This is how you can call them out, saints of God. Will you help me? Will you help me? If somebody's, if you don't know them, they're coming in this house. You, you pretty much know people in this house. And if you don't know them and they come and bring your word, ask them this question. Did you take that to my pastor? If they say no, you look at them and say, I don't receive it. Don't give me a word. Take it to my pastor first. Would you do that for me? Listen, if you do that for me, I'll protect your souls. I have an anointing to protect the souls in this house. It was not mine. God gave it to me. So as the shepherd of this house, it is my job and my responsibility to make sure that your souls are protected. Amen? And if the shepherd is not here, I got some sheep dogs. Every shepherd has sheep dogs. Come on, somebody. See, if the shepherd couldn't make the sheep act right, you send the sheep dog. Josiah said, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> so, and so that's why you got to have leaders in the house. See, the leaders are the sheep dogs. Right. You, you can't if you can't get to me, let's just say Pastor Tim, he's he's next in line. He's the assistant pastor and they can't get to me and they go to Pastor Tim and they, they give him a word. And he just he looks at it. He evaluates it. If he doesn't give it to me, then you just need to sit down and shut up. Because apparently his spirit said this is not a word I need to be given to my pastor. He's the sheepdog. So what we had a situation, and then this so-called self-proclaimed prophet thought she was going to just come to me. Right? So I'm teaching now because I'm trying to make sure we learn how to grow up. Because you might see this on the surface as me acting mean. This is not me acting mean. This is me being a shepherd. Amen? So she came to me and said, well, I gave your assistant, you know, honorary because she thought she was somebody. Honorary. I gave your assistant pastor a word, and, and he didn't give it to you. Now, something you got to learn about me, saints. If you're going to come to me that way, my attitude is going to be completely different than if you came to me humble. So now, the apostolic in me raises up because what I see is a false spirit. And when you deal with a false spirit, you don't play with it. So when I looked this person in her eyes and I said, well, sister, obviously you don't understand church protocol. So I don't know where you came from. But up in this house, if my assistant pastor didn't give it to me, then what you had to say to me is not relevant. So next time, if my assistant pastor don't give it to me, my expectation is for you to sit down and learn something. You should have seen that attitude. I saw that spirit. I saw it. You see it. I saw it. I said, uh-huh, we'll see if she comes back. They don't come back. 
They're going to go to the next small church because they can't go to a mega church and do this. Right? Because the mega church ain't going to even notice them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's for real. They go to mega church. They don't matter. Who are you? Sit down. Shut up. The pastor's preaching. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> All this shenanigans. It's Usher. Usher. She's talking and chewing bubble gum. Get her out of here. What's wrong with you? You don't talk back to the pastor. <laughs> All right, I'm almost done. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm fussing. I stopped preaching and now I'm just fussing. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm sorry. If y'all just let me fuss, let me just fuss, right? Because as I'm fussing, I'm also teaching. Right. So you, this is this is something you have to understand, saints. And this is, this is why I love preaching in this church, because you allow me to be real. Right. And I can't help but to be myself. And I have been in places. Yes. Go ahead, Pam. I have been in places where I have seen people get hurt behind people who are these self-proclaimed leaders or self-proclaimed prophets. There are so many false prophets out here, saints. And I know you may have even been hurt by somebody that gave you a word of things of that nature. But I want you to feel comfortable coming into C3 because it's my job to make sure that you are protected. Amen? And listen, this is why you got to be... Okay, let me just go there for a second. This is why it's, it's, it's the difference between just being under a pastor and being under an apostle. See, the apostolic anointing, I understand all of the fivefold gifts. Amen? I know what they look like, sound like. I know the teachings on them. And as the apostle, the apostle is like the thumb, right? The, the thumb gives foundation. You know, without the thumb, you can't have a sure grip. You can't grip a gun or a bow. It gives you foundation. You got to have the apostle. It's the foundation thumb. The apostle also touches all the other fingers without any problems. You go in and out of them. I flow in and out the other gifts. That has to be the apostolic gift. You got to have the thumb. Then the prophet is the pointing finger because the prophet is always pointing you to God. What is God saying? Right? But you notice the prophet and the apostle are together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 says that the foundation is built on apostles and prophets. That's the foundation. Notice it's the foundation. Notice the foundation is under the bottom, not on the top. So I want to preach from a, a level of humility so I can push you to your next level. I'm not above you trying to pull you to your next level. See, that's the difference between a pastor. A pastor trying to pull you up to another level, to his level. No, I'm not pulling you anywhere. I'm pushing you to your next level because we're the foundation. And if the foundation be destroyed, that's the pointing finger, the prophet, the, the longest finger. That's outreach. That's the evangelist because he's the longest finger because he reaches out into the community. She reaches out into the community because that's their heart. That's their passion. And this, 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 is the, this is the marriage finger. That's the pastor because the pastor has a relationship with the church like Jesus. But closer to the pastor is the smallest finger. That's the teacher. The pastor must be a teacher. The teacher don't have to be a pastor, but the pastor must be a teacher. See, the smallest finger means the teacher breaks down the word to the smallest degree. It is also the finger you can get in your ear because faith comes by hearing and hearing. And when you got all five working in a church, you got some power. And the reason we've been lukewarm and feckless as a church 
is because we don't understand the power that we have when we can bring all five fold ministry gifts together under one apostolic covering where everybody get to preach, you get to evangelize, you get to go and do the things that God has called you to do, and there is nobody in the place trying to be bigger than the other person because we all trying to get to the same place. Am I talking to the right church right now? I wish I had two or three people to get up on your feet and praise God right now and says, call out to God and say, I'm one of those people. See, you need to desire that five-fold ministry gift. I'm one of those people. Ain't nothing to it. It's just the anointing of God. Jesus gave the five-fold ministry gifts before he ascended over in Ephesians chapter 4. It said that he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. He didn't give those for the individuals. He gave them for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, so that they all would not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that we can grow up. We can't grow up unless we got the right teachers in the house. Amen. I'm not mad. I'm sorry. I sound mad, don't I? I don't want to say. I'm sorry. That's that apostle. I'm sorry. Let me get back to pastor because pastor like to be loved. Lord, give me the pastor anointing. Pastor anointing. Praise God. So listen, saints of God. God is going to use you to do tremendous things, but don't let your brain go back to your old ways of thinking. You, you can't be new wine skin and expect new wine. He will not pour new wine in old wine skin. Well, what I mean by that, that means that your behavior is going to have to change. You can't keep acting the same way and expecting different results. Amen. In order for you to receive this new wine that God is pouring out, and I promise you, he's pouring it out. There, there are, man, there's stuff going on overseas that will blow your mind. People are getting saved. Muslims are getting saved by the thousands overseas. Why? Because you got Muslims that understand Islam, but they got saved. And for the first time, they felt redemption. Because you can't find redemption in Muhammad. There's no redemption in Muhammad. Mm-mm, none. Sun Yun Moon, there's no redemption. Joseph Smith, oh yeah, there's no redemption in Mormonism. You're going to go to Joseph Smith, he's dead. He's in the grave. What about Charles Russell? There's, there, there's no redemption. Oh, Charles Russell, he started Jehovah's Witnesses. There's no redemption in him. He's dead too, by the way. Yeah. But see, the thing about Jesus, he died. <laughs> Good gracious. Glory to God. That's what I like about Jesus. Jesus said, listen, no man can take my life. <laughs> I'm sure he laughed at him. That's my Bible. That's my Bible. In my Bible, he laughed. He said, nobody can take my life, man. <laughs> if, if I could lay my life down and if I lay it down, listen, I can take it back up again. He said, you see that temple? You destroy that temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. What are you talking about? I'm God. That's my Bible. I got to change that thing up a little bit. That's, that's the God we serve, saints of God. He did die. But he forever liveth because he rose again. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Come on and praise him for that. Amen.
We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.